Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you today. If you're a guest, welcome to First Baptist Church of Wixom. We're excited to have you with us this morning. I want to start this morning just mentioning a couple of things. Next Sunday, right after our morning worship hour, we will have what we call our New Here Luncheon. And this is just a light lunch in the cafe off the gymnasium for anybody who is new here. If you feel like you're new and you haven't been to a luncheon, you're invited. There is a sign-up sheet in the back, right outside the back double doors. If you forget and next week you think, uh-oh, I forgot to sign up, please come anyway. We want anybody to come. We always have extra food. And uh, we'd love just to meet you and spend some time. There's really no agenda other than having you get to know the church better and uh, allowing us to get to know you just a little bit better. So that is next Sunday, right after the morning worship hour. Also, we've been talking about exchange Bible studies. These are four-week Bible studies specific to sharing the gospel with your friends. And uh, they take four hours of your time, a little bit more homework time at home for both you and your Bible study partner. These are Bible studies intended to be done with somebody who's looking for spiritual answers. They're looking for truth. They're trying to understand the gospel. And these Bible studies are really effective and powerful. We have several copies out on the discipleship cabinet We have several pairs already this year. I told you that our goal for the church this year was 50 of these Bible studies, and we're up to nine, so we're on track to reach our goal. Uh, But if you have a friend who's looking for answers about spiritual things, these Bible studies are the thing, and you can see Johnny Martin or myself, we can get you set up with the materials for that. I also wanted to mention that just this last week, we had three of our young couples finish over the last month, um, finish marriage mentoring. I want to talk to you about that for just a minute this morning as we get started. If you're a young couple, and you can define young as, as you want to, but if you're a young couple that could use a little bit of encouragement in your marriage, this program is for you, okay? Um, we had three couples just go through it with each of the mentors. I didn't speak to the couples who went through it, but I, went, I spoke to the mentors and asked them how that went. And all of the mentors said it was a great blessing. We had so much fun developing a relationship with, these, with this couple, sharing biblical truth with them, and trying to cheer them on in establishing a strong Christian marriage. This is a, a kind of relationship that is intended to be one year of kind of formal meetings and then maintenance meetings after that. And that year is basically one meeting per month. And different formats. Some of the couples met just for an hour in uh, the mentee's home. Some of the couples met for dinner once a month for a couple of hours in the mentor's home. It can look however you want, but it is super encouraging. So <clears throat> young couples, just want to give you a word of advice. There aren't any old cup, older couples in the church who are going to come to you and say, hey, you look like you could need some mentoring. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got some problems. We could help you. Nobody's going to say that to you. But young couples, this is not for crisis, uh, dealing with crises in your marriage. This is just for maintenance of a Christian marriage. If you're a healthy Christian couple, this is for you. If you would come to Johnny or myself and just say, hey, we'd like to be mentored. That sounds like fun. Uh, We can get you set up and started right away, and we hope that you'll take advantage of that. Lastly, this summer we have um, Sunday school class just like we do throughout the school year. This morning in the modular class, uh, Johnny started his section on biblical counseling. That lasts for eight weeks. 
when that is done, we sort of switch gears a little bit in the summer. In the summer, I'll be teaching a class again on biblical marriage and parenting. Holden will be going back to his theology class, which he was teaching last summer. The auditorium class will continue. But that modular class will pause for the summer. And then next fall, we've got some really exciting classes lined up with a variety of teachers I think you're going to really enjoy. That will start in September. We'll announce what those classes are during the summer. But just wanted you to know that when summer begins, Sunday school sort of changes gears, but there is still something for everybody, and we hope that you'll continue to participate. We're super glad to have you here today. Looking forward to a great day of worship. Let's pray as we begin today. Father, we, we so thank you for all you've done for us. We thank you most of all for Jesus, through whom we have eternal life and forgiveness. Lord, we thank you for the power of the gospel and the power of the cross. We thank you that today we can celebrate you as the great forgiver. And we ask, Lord, that you'll help us as we sing, as we open your word, as we fellowship with one another, that Jesus would be magnified, that we would see him as the preeminent head of this church, and that we would follow his words and obey his commands and seek to lift him up for one another. May this Sunday and this week be a week in which the people of First Baptist Church bring you greater glory than before. And we pray this in your risen son's name. Amen. Let's sing out and worship the Lord through song today. Let's stand together as we sing, I will sing of my Redeemer. Let's sing this out together. I will sing of my Redeemer and his wondrous love to me. seated. This morning we're going to be emphasizing the fact that God is our great forgiver. And if I can give a brief testimony, 
Uh, the song I'm about to sing is very uh, important to me. It's, it's kind of a monumental time in my life. Uh, when I was growing up back in my home church in Alabama, um, interestingly enough, the church was called Grace Baptist Church, so there's kind of a double meaning there. But I'm just so thankful because the truth of this song is really my personal testimony, the fact that God saw this little boy coming on the bus ministry and, and used somebody at the church to show the gospel to me, and I accepted Christ as my personal Savior. And I honestly have no idea where I would be, except as the song says, running down some pointless road to nowhere. But I'm so thankful for the amazing grace and forgiveness of God that he offers to everyone, were it not for grace. Oh, 
opportunity to sing about that grace. Let's stand together, sing out a great hymn coupled with a new chorus, Amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. Let's sing this out together.
great singing this morning. You can be seated. Amen. That is good. Singing good songs today. I invite you to take your Bible to Psalm number 32, if you would. Psalm number 32. We've been going through a series of messages that we entitled Albums of Worship, a study in the Psalms. And actually, we've been approaching this as a theology in the Psalms. A theology is a study of God that really asks and answers two specific questions. The first question is, what is God like? And the second question is, what should I do about it? What is God like and how should I respond? What's awesome about the Psalms is over and over and over again, the psalmist sees God for who he is and then worships him. Isn't God great is the conclusion of almost every single psalm. And I hope this has been your response as well, thinking higher thoughts of God every single Sunday. Because our God is worthy of praise. Would you say that with me? Our God is worthy of praise. He's worthy. He alone is worthy of praise. It is not only um, good for us to think about his worthiness, it is only right for us to spend time thinking about the greatness of our God and then responding by applauding that greatness. That's the what the word praise means, that we would applaud his greatness. So we've applauded the greatness of God in the sense that he is our advocate and our blesser, that he's close to us, that he's counselor and creator and deliverer and doer, that he's eternal, he's exalted, he's fearsome. And last Sunday morning for Easter, we celebrated the fact that God is the life giver, the life giver. I just want to remind you this morning that A life of faith starts with knowing who God is. Think about this for just a moment. A life of faith starts, it's initiated by understanding and knowing who God is. He is the great cause to which we simply respond. I'm just about finished reading a book that we've already added to our discipleship library. It's out here. If you want to check it out, it's called Habits of Grace. Talked about it a little bit on Wednesday nights with our Bible study. Really phenomenal book talking about Christian disciplines. And and I just finished reading a chapter about prayer. And the author was challenging the readers, why do you pray? Why would you pray? Why should a human talk to God and and he he made this statement and it made, immediately made me think of our Sunday morning messages and that is that the only reason a human would talk to God is because God has revealed something about himself to humans for instance God has revealed to humans that he is holy and so we respond in worship we don't worship looking for some holy God he is holy he initiates we respond in worship He is gracious. He gives us things we don't deserve. So we respond with thanksgiving and praise. He is loving. So we petition him for the things that we need because as a loving father, Jesus said he already knows what we need, but he wants to supply it to us. And then the author said this, and I thought this was great. He is merciful. 
And because he's merciful, we come to him in repentance and confession and say, Lord, would you forgive me for my sin? If he wasn't merciful, we wouldn't go, right? If there was only condemnation at the throne of heaven, we wouldn't go with our sin because we know we're guilty. And yet because of his mercy, we respond with repentance and confession and we expect forgiveness. He is the initiator. We are the responders. And the question for us this morning is this. Do you respond to his mercy? Have you responded to his mercy and cried out for salvation? But if you have, do you respond to his mercy on a daily basis and ask him for forgiveness for your sin? Do you practice confession? If he is the great forgiver, that's what we learn about God in our theology of the Psalms. My response is, well, then I need to be a great confessor. If he's the great forgiver... I need to be a great confessor. Are you? I will tell you, and I've told you this many times as we've gone through this series, I was overwhelmed by the amount of biblical text on this subject. There's no way we could cover it. Maybe, maybe we could spend a year talking about this characteristic of God. He is the great forgiver. In fact, I would say this, that it would be right for us to say, you're no more like God than when you are forgiving someone. It is a God-like characteristic to cover sin. It's what he does. And scripture is just loaded with information and text on this particular subject. So today, what we're going to do over the next few minutes is just skim this idea And hopefully come away with this thought, I need to be a better confessor. God is a great forgiver. He doesn't need any improvement. His forgiveness is perfect. But I need to be a better confessor. And I'm telling you that up front because I want you to think about that as we go throughout the message today and ask the Lord to convict us on that subject. Would you pray with me for just a moment? And then I want to read Psalm 32 to you this morning. Lord, we ask that you would help us. Without the Holy Spirit, nothing good can be accomplished in this hour together. Lord, we, we need you to work in us. We confess and acknowledge this morning that you are the great doer. We simply have the opportunity to respond. We sometimes say of this church that we are a Bible-centered church, that our sole authority is the word of God. And yet, Lord, we confess to you that sometimes we hear what the word of God says and we don't do it. We're saying we believe in the word. We don't always live out the word. Would you convict us of that this morning? Would you help us to confess our sin? And would you help us to get some things right? Would you grow us up in our relationship with your son today? We pray this in his name. Amen. Psalm number 32, would you follow along as I read? Here is a psalm of David. He says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Would you say that word for me? Forgiven. Blessed is the person whose sin is forgiven, or or whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. I just want to point out there's four words for sin there. We're going to talk about all four of those here in just a minute. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For night and day thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. 
Selah. Or think on this. I acknowledge my sin unto thee, and my iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Think on that, Selah. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. Thou art my hiding place. Thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance. Think about that. Selah. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he that trusteth in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. I'll show you a picture this morning. I don't know if you guys on the wings can see this, but this is fancy. Fancy is the new trainee in our house. She's 10 months old. She's definitely in the training stage of life. Every day, her and I have a, a, a daddy time together that I call training. She calls it, I think, treat time, right? As soon as the treats come out, she knows it's time to work on training. And we try to do this a couple of times each day. She's gotten one thing down, and that is sit. But only until she gets the cookie, you know. So we're working on lay. We're working on stay. We're working on come. And soon to come, roll over. We're both pretty excited about that. That's going to be fun. But here's what I want to tell you this morning about this creature Training her is much more fun for both of us when we're training for discipline. There was a time when Fancy and I spent a lot of time together working on housebreaking. Housebreaking is no fun because there's a mess to clean up, but there's also negative discipline that takes place, right? Whoopings. And she got her share. So there's the negative side of discipline... That's no fun for either one of us. And then there's the positive side of discipline, which is very satisfying for both of us. Now, the context of our passage this morning is just this, that there is a negative side and there's a positive side, and the positive side is way better. It's way better when you do something wrong to get it right than to be stubborn, unteachable, Need a bit and a bridle, as David illustrates for us. To need a whooping spiritually. It's way better to be teachable and to learn. And I think it's more fun for us and for the Lord when we're developing spiritual discipline voluntarily. I want to learn. So this morning, I want to think about the blessing of forgiveness as we begin this morning. The blessing of of dealing with sin. Notice what David said. There is a blessing when your transgressions are forgiven. When your transgressions are forgiven. Verse number one, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven. Now this word transgression might be better translated rebellion. Maybe your translation says this. Your rebellion has been lifted away. By God's forgiveness. This is what the word forgiveness literally means. It means to lift the weight away. It means to not hold it against you. 
It means to choose not to remember. And by the way, we're going to talk a little bit about human forgiveness today. And this is the definition of forgiveness. This is the biblical definition. It's choosing not to remember. Think about that for just a minute. I mean, just worship the Lord with me for just a second, okay? Here is the omniscient creator who knows everything, who can forget nothing, who says, I choose not to remember your sin. I choose not to hold your sin against you. I choose to lift away your transgression, your rebellion. I will not bring it up to you. I will not hold it against you. God has lifted the burden of our rebellion away. What a blessing to have your transgression forgiven. But I want you to see also that there's a blessing when your sin is covered. The Bible does not waste words. So every one of these phrases is uniquely different. Think about it for just a second. Your rebellion, the guilt of your rebellion is lifted away by God. But secondly, your sin is covered. This word sin means shortcomings. It's actually an archery term that means falling short of the mark, not achieving the goal. And then he says, my sin is covered. So this is concealed or clothed. David is literally saying, God covers my sin when I fail, when I fall short, not in a sneaky way, a negative way of covering sin, but in a positive way, like, like a parent covering the shortcomings of their child. Imagine with me, your child is playing in an athletic contest and it comes to the very end of the game and everybody's very excited and the gymnasium is loud and your child scores the winning point for the other team. What do you do? Well, some parents, wise parents, rather than talk about it, act as if nothing was out of sorts. Life just goes on, right? That, that's exactly what it means to have your sin covered. You failed. You know you failed. I know you failed. Let's not talk about it. Let's just move on. This is what God does with sin. I choose not to make you pay for your failure. What a blessing. Thirdly, there's a blessing for not having iniquity imputed that's two words that you probably don't use on a daily basis but let's talk about them for just a second iniquities means false imputed means counted so in other words god does not count your faults against you i don't know if i've told you this story before but when mari and i were first married we were putting in a split rail fence in place of a barbed wire fence and if you know anything about a barbed wire fence they're just metal poles in the ground and then wire stretched between them whereas a split rail takes a post in the ground but it's it's not a big post it's just a post and i in my naivety was thinking hey there's already a fence there i don't need to call the utilities i'll just put the post where the old posts were you know it's pretty safe well five months later we pulled into the our property and there was a AT&T truck out in front of our house and they had a tent like a big tent over the street in front of our house and they had a big tractor digging a big hole and they were working away and I pulled into my driveway and into my garage and closed my garage door and went into the house and locked the door <clears throat> I actually didn't even think about what might be the problem it was just utility workers right the guy knocks on the door and he says hey did you dig any holes recently 
I said, well, no, not recently. No, like five months ago. That was a long time ago. I dug some holes up on top of a hill where an old fence was. He said, well, there's water in our high-density fiber optic cable, and it's run down to the street and has taken out the fiber optics for the entire neighborhood. It's all gone. It has to be replaced. He goes, it's probably going to run about $10,000. $10,000. And I said to him, look, I, um, I don't have $10,000, so... I hope it wasn't my fault, but I'll call my insurance company. And would you believe my insurance company paid that for me, the whole thing? I didn't even pay a deductible. That is having your faults covered, right? You probably have similar stories, don't look at me like you don't, where you had a fault, you had a fault, and it took some mercy, it took some grace to cover it. Right? This is exactly what God does for us. He covers our faults. But notice lastly it says in verse number 2, Blessed is the man in whose spirit there is no guile. Guile is deceit or hypocrisy. God can remove that too. Now here's what I want you to see. Listen to what he says. What a blessing. What a favor. What a grace from God that your rebellion is not held against you. Your shortcomings are covered by love. Your faults don't count. And your inner man is clean and pure and genuine. I mean, it's literally like David is describing the perfect day. Have you ever had a perfect day where like all of the food tasted good? All of the relationships were just clicking and working really good. Everybody was nice. nice. The weather was pleasant. Your health was good. You had energy and you just like in the middle of the day, you're like, man, this is like the perfect day. This is exactly what David is saying from a spiritual standpoint. When you understand forgiveness, it's like the perfect day spiritually. I can't believe God would remove the guilt of my rebellion. I can't believe he would cover my faults. I can't believe he wouldn't hold my iniquities against me. I can't believe he would clean my heart so that there's no hypocrisy. What an awesome day. But then conversely, he describes the curse of silence. There's a great blessing when you're forgiven. There's a curse of silence. Look at verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old. I don't know about you, but that's happening fast enough, right? Without sin, your bones waxing old. I don't need sin to accelerate the process. David says, it's like my, my body is aging quickly. There's a feeling of heaviness not talking about too much Easter ham. He's talking about like spiritual heaviness. You've experienced spiritual heaviness before. You might not put the two together, but here's what spiritual heaviness is. It's when you can't sleep because something bad is on your mind. You ever been there before where you were worried? Maybe you got a child who's sick. Maybe you have a financial crisis. Maybe you just did something really dumb that has to be dealt with. Maybe you feel like a pink slip's coming at work. And you're just all in personal turmoil and you can't sleep. This is the idea of heaviness. David said, when I didn't deal with my sin, it was like I was aging. My bones were waxing old. I had a sense of heaviness on me. It was a sense of drought. What a word picture drought is. If you've ever experienced an actual drought, you know you just want water. I grew up in Iowa. I remember the drought of 1988. 
This is the summer before my 11th grade year of high school. Many families that I knew prayed three, four, five, ten times a day for one thing, rain. Lord, we need rain. The entire economy depended on it. Everybody's livelihood in some way depended on rain. In a drought, it's pretty much all you think about. David said, when I didn't deal with my sin, I kept feeling thirsty. I kept feeling sleepless. I kept feeling heavy. I kept feeling like this oppression on me. And can I just tell you, this is what sin does to a soul when it's not dealt with. And I think this is an underappreciated truth in churches like ours. Because you clean up so nicely, we clean up so nicely, right? We don't often think about the depth of our rebellion. We don't often think about the seriousness of our sin. And so it's possible that we could just let it lie and not deal with our sin. And it ages us. And it brings a heaviness. And it brings spiritual drought. And it brings bitterness and a sense of guilt. Can I just tell you that bitterness and guilt, if it's let lie, it's not dealt with? Nobody wants to be close to you spiritually when you have those two. Nobody does. Because you don't build others up. You can't help but bring others down. Think if you've ever felt this way. You're angry at everything. You don't want to be around anyone. Everyone's an idiot. Nothing's working right. Have you ever felt that way just about life and you realize, wow, it's because I only had two hours of sleep or... Maybe the next day you came down with a fever and you're like, oh, that's why yesterday was terrible. Okay? So what David is teaching us this morning is if you feel that way spiritually, it's probably because of unconfessed sin. It's just sitting there and it's rotting your soul. And it must be dealt with. This is not the way God intends for the Christian to live. There's a term used for some babies in the hospital called failure to thrive. Maybe you've heard that phrase before. Some babies in the hospital, there's, it's a sort of complex, but in general, failure to thrive is a, a problem that, that babies have with growing. They're not able to absorb the nutrition they need. They're not able to get the calories they need to grow at a normal rate. And, and maybe it's because the nutrition isn't available, but maybe it's available, but their body is not absorbing it correctly. And I was thinking about this this week, that many Christians, we live there at failing to thrive. The food's available. The tools are available. The discipleship is available. And yet we would rather just hold on to our petty sins and fail to thrive. Something is blocking the absorption of truth. And sometimes Christians don't even know it, don't even realize it. They think this is how it's supposed to be. Isn't everybody angry? Isn't everybody tired and upset and skeptical and just done with it? Can I just tell you, no, no, not everybody's that way. That's not the way it's supposed to be. There is great victory in living in Christ and living a forgiven life of confession. And by the way, David's going to tell us about it. This, this, is, this is what it means when you don't keep silent and when you deal with your sin and you learn to thrive. These bad things go away. These aching spiritual bones and spiritual heaviness and spiritual drought, they go away. There is a new way to live. So how do you achieve it? 
How do you experience the blessing of forgiveness? How do you avoid the curse of silence? So secondly, I want to talk about the, the means of forgiveness. What, what's the means? What's the way of forgiveness? How do I achieve forgiveness? Well, notice he says in verse number five, it starts with acknowledging sin, shortcomings. Acknowledge them. You have to admit you fail. Is that hard to admit? Sometimes it's hard for us to admit. We deal with, we have pride issues, right? And it's hard for us to admit I'm a failure. Like spiritually, I'm a mess. David says, I acknowledge my sin unto thee. In chapter 51, he said it this way, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me throughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin, for I acknowledge my transgression. I admit my rebellion, my shortcomings. You have to get honest. You have to admit you're a sinner and a spiritual failure. By the way, wouldn't we agree that this is the first step towards salvation, right? Romans 3.23, help me with it. For all have sinned and what? Come short of the glory of God. So God says, here's my standard. Can you reach it? And we say, nope, not on my very best day. I can't reach it. I fall short of that glory. That's the first step towards understanding the gospel. But it's also the first step towards achieving the forgiven life. With no drought, no heaviness, no spiritually aging bones, victory and joy. How do I get there? Well, it's the same way that I'm saved. I admit I'm a spiritual failure. I acknowledge my transgressions. Number two, I uncover my iniquities. That word faults again. I uncover them. Again, in verse five, my iniquity have I not hid In Psalm 51, David said it this way, Behold, you desire truth. You want honesty. Do you remember trying to deal with your kids and discipline? And you're thinking, look, if you just tell me the truth, we could get this over with. Why do you keep trying to hide it? I know what you did. You know what you did. This isn't helping either one of us, right? And and God says the same thing. Look, just out with it. Be honest. You fell short of the mark. Let me forgive you but it takes some uncovering of iniquity is your iniquity great your faults are they great most of us probably have greater faults than we admit some of us have hidden our faults so long we can't even think of them like i'm so good at hiding my faults and thinking i'm hiding my faults from god that boy i just can't come up with a single thing you know We're just really practiced at keeping these things hidden. David says, in order to achieve that life of victory in Christ, I have to be ready to uncover my faults. Can I just tell you, though, that in this church context, there's a great place where faults can be uncovered, and it's in spiritual conversations, which we call discipleship relationships, right? Most of us aren't quite ready to come up here and say, hey, everybody, let me just tell you about my sin. You ready? You're going to need a notebook because this is a long one, right? Start listing my sins. And this isn't really the context for that. But can I tell you that when you're sitting down across the table with a Christian brother and you say, hey, look, I need some prayer. I'm dealing with a sin in my life and I'm struggling. We're reading a book together and it's reminded me of my shortcomings, my rebellion, my sin. Would you pray for me? 
you know what that does for my Christian brother? It encourages him. You know what? I need a little prayer too. Here's where I'm struggling. And we're un, what are we doing? We're uncovering sin so that it can be dealt with. The tools are there. The contexts are there. The books are there. The tables are there. And some of us say, I'd rather just cover it and deal with the drought. I want you to see, thirdly, confessing transgression or rebellion. Verse number five again. I will confess my transgression. I will confess that I am a rebel. I will agree with God. That's what this word confession means. I will agree with God that I rebel against him. I don't like his expectations. I want to be my own master. Psalm 25, verse 11. For thy name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. My rebellion against my creator is great. 1 John 1, 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we call God a liar. And his word is not in us. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Can you help me with that? Say, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. Say, you're a sinner, Brad. You're a sinner, Brad. Right? So we're all sinners. All of us. The, the point that David is making is, are you talking to God about this on a daily basis? Are you dealing with it? Are you uncovering it? Are you agreeing with him that it's rebellion? I want you to see, thirdly, the source of forgiveness. You know this. It's God. Verse number six. For this shall everyone that is godly pray unto thee, God, in a time when thou mayest be found. When can God be found for forgiveness? Well, it's before judgment begins. So now... Well, we're alive. Well, we're on this side of eternity. This is the time for forgiveness. Surely in the floods of great waters, they shall not come nigh unto him. The, the person who prays for forgiveness will not be covered with floods. But he'll be kept safe in the hiding place of God. Verse number seven. Seek him. He can be found. God can be found. But you have to seek him. Think about how ridiculous this would be if we were caught in a giant rainstorm. And there was a shelter but we didn't run to it. It's not the shelter's fault that you get wet, right? It's there. But you have to do something. You have to respond. You have to seek shelter. This is exactly the same as God. He's there. He's ready to forgive. You have to seek him. Psalm 27, verse 8, When thou saidest, Seek my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. It's a very simple verse, but a profound truth. God says, Seek me. Do we? Isaiah 55, verse 6, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God for he will abundantly pardon. Seek the Lord. Psalm 51, verse 8, Make me to hear joy and gladness. Lord, would you bring back the joy of my Christian life that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. What is David saying here? He's saying, Lord, I am seeking you. I want to see your face. I want you to fellowship with me. I want you to forgive me. I want our relationship to be right. 
So here's a question. How do you seek God's face? How do you do that? Like on a practical level, how can we tomorrow seek God's face better? How do you seek God's face? Can I suggest two things to you really quick? Here's one. God reveals himself generally in creation. Some of us need to slow down and enjoy what he has made. He reveals himself generally in creation. Slow down and enjoy what he has made. But secondly, he reveals himself specifically in his word. So read, meditate, memorize, and listen to it preached. I want to make two statements. I hope you don't find them offensive. I think these are true. If you're not taking the time to enjoy his creation, like you can't remember the last time you just took a walk without your phone, if you're not taking the time to do that and you find yourself spiritually unwell, it's kind of a no-brainer. If you're not taking in the word regularly, like if somebody asked you, you couldn't come up with, yeah, this is the passage I read this morning, or this is what I'm meditating on, or this is the passage I'm memorizing with my discipleship partner. If you couldn't come up with that on a moment's notice and you're feeling spiritually unwell, it's a no-brainer. You've got to seek God. You've got to seek God. You see, the, the, victor, the victorious Christian life, the joyful Christian life, the happy Christian life doesn't just happen by good circumstances. Well, I hope good things happen to me today. Right? Sometimes we even pray that way. Lord, help this to be a good day. Maybe what we should pray is this. Lord, help me to seek your face. Help me to see you in your creation. Help me to see you in your word. I want to live in victory. The only way to fix this spiritual sickness, like you're not thriving, is to confess your sin and seek God's face. I want you to see, lastly, the life of the forgiven. What's this supposed to look like? What happens if I seek God's face? If I do experience daily confession and forgiveness, if I feel the burden of my sin and guilt and bitterness removed, when my spiritual life is looking up, how, how would life look if that was the case? Look, no, look at verse number 8. I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go. I will guide thee with mine eye. I want you to see here that being forgiven is not about lawlessness. Paul addressed this in the New Testament. Remember what he said? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What was the answer? God forbid. God forbid. Just because I get forgiven doesn't mean I continue in sin. So being forgiven is not about lawlessness, but it's about listening Think about little fancy for a second. What does she have to learn to do? Listen to the master. If she listens to the master, there's treats, right? Life's easy. There's no whoopings. I mean, it's fun for everybody. But you've got to listen to the master. Being forgiven is not about lawlessness. It's about listening. Romans 6.15, we just quoted a second ago, shall we continue in sin? No. God forbid that we should do that. If forgiveness is free, that doesn't mean it should be abused. Think about the, the nation of Israel for just a second. Psalm number 105. The nation of Israel was delivered from Egypt. Remember this? God pulled them out of Egypt, and he didn't pull them out of Egypt to make life easy for them. He tells them in Psalm 105 why. 
He gave them the lands of the heathen and they inherited the labor of the people that they might observe his statutes and keep his laws. Praise ye the Lord. What is the psalmist saying? God rescued his people out of sin. Remember, that's, Egypt is a picture of sin. God rescues his people not so that their life would be a bed of roses, but that they might serve him. God forgives you so that you might live in victory, so that you might serve him more effectively. Listen to God's instruction, his teaching, his guidance. Now, there's question here, like, who wrote, like, who is speaking here? Is this God speaking when he says, I will instruct thee? Or is this the psalmist? Is this David telling the readers that he's going to instruct us? I don't think it really matters because the truth is God does instruct his own. Like, we can look throughout Scripture and see this truth that God wants us to learn to live more like Christ. Psalm 25, verse 4, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me into thy truth and teach me. This is the attitude of the forgiven life. I want to learn. Psalm 25, verse 8, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Can I just ask you, are you learning anything spiritually? Are you learning? Are you growing? I think many of us, many Christians, are like those Pharisees that Jesus said, look, I did not come to call the righteous. I came to call people who know they're sinners, who know they have issues, who know they need to grow, who know they need to learn. I think sometimes we realize there are resources for growth all around us and we convince ourselves those are for someone else. I've grown enough. If you have plateaued in your learning about spiritual things, you are backsliding. You're actually going the wrong way. There is more to learn. I'm often surprised, almost on a weekly basis, when I really get into studying Scripture, I think, wow, I didn't remember that at all. That's a new one for me. I just learned something new. I think we constantly need to be doing that. Listening and learning. This is what God has talked about. The life of the forgiven is a life of learning and forgiving. Psalm 25, verse 4, Show me thy ways, O Lord. Teach me thy paths. Lead me in thy truth. Psalm 25, verse 8, Good and upright is the Lord, therefore will he teach sinners in the way. The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Are you listening? Are you learning? Are you living a pure life? And then lastly, are you yielding to God's training hand? Look at verse 9. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding. Don't be that kind of creature that just needs whoopings all the time. I think Fancy's brain is probably about as big as a walnut, you know, maybe slightly smaller. (laughs) She's not super, super smart, but she is smart enough to know that treats are better than whoopings. You know, she's got that down. Do you have it down? Like, do you, do you understand that it is better to walk with the Lord? In the New Testament, Paul describes it this way. When we When we are living the forgiven life, we have fellowship with Jesus, one with another. Fellowship with Jesus. Do you live that way in friendship, in fellowship 
with Jesus? Or are you like the horse or the mule described in verse number 9 that needs a bit and a bridle and needs to be kind of slapped around all of the time to stay on the path? David said in Psalm 86, Teach me thy way, O Lord. David was saying, Help me to be a quick study, Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee with all my heart. I will glorify thy name forever. For great is thy mercy toward me. You've delivered my soul from the lowest hell. I will yield to you. I will trust in your mercy. And that's what he says in verse number 10 here. He that trusts in the Lord, mercy shall compass him about. You know, mercy is a great theme throughout all of Scripture The Lord is plenteous in mercy, Psalm 86 says, unto all them that call upon him. So can I just give you a couple of quick applications and we'll be done this morning. A couple of quick applications. Number one, be sure you're forgiven in Christ. Be sure you are forgiven in Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For God made Jesus to be sin for you who knew no sin, that you might be made the righteousness of God in him. Have you made the trade with Jesus? Have you put your sin on him on the cross and taken his robe of righteousness? Be sure you are forgiven in Christ. If you are not, if you're, if you're like, I, that's the first time I heard that. I don't, I don't think I'm forgiven in Christ. I don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Like I'm a God-fearing person, but I, I don't remember a time when I put my faith in Jesus. If that's you, that's okay. You're in the right spot this morning, okay? You're where you can get some answers. The Bible study I talked about beginning this morning, this exchange Bible study is a great way to learn about Jesus. There are people all, sitting all around you who would love to introduce you to Jesus. There's truth here. You just have to seek it and we would be happy to share it with you. Are you forgiven in Christ? Number two, acknowledge, uncover, and confess your sins regularly. I think we need to make this a daily or maybe more often than daily exercise number three seek god's face more intentionally this week seek god's face more intentionally this week number four listen learn and follow the ways of the lord and can i give you a quick bonus here's a bonus forgive others like you've been forgiven it's not in our text here but you know this is commanded right jesus said in matthew chapter six if you don't forgive others neither will god forgive you so forgive Ephesians 4.32, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. This was the first verse we made our kids memorize. <laughs> be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And then can I just say, lastly, number six, be glad, rejoice, and shout for joy. This is what verse number 11 says. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, ye righteous, and shout for joy, all ye that are upright in heart. In just a minute, literally, 90 seconds from now, you're going to have an opportunity to be glad and shout for joy, okay? Jeremy's going to come up and lead us in this powerful song called The Power of the Cross. One of the phrases in this song, the very end, says, We stand forgiven at the cross. Would you, with me, rejoice in that? And worship our great God for being the forgiver this morning. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for its truth. Thank you for your patience with us and your willingness to forgive us even when we are so unfaithful, so forgetful, so prideful and self-righteous. Help us to see our sin as rebellion, Lord. Please help us to learn to deal with our sin in a timely manner, on a daily basis that we might shout for joy as your forgiven people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Let's stand together. We go into closing this morning and have the opportunity to sing out the power of the cross. Let's sing this out. Oh, to see the dawn of the darkest day. Thank you for joining us for worship today at First Baptist Church of Wixom. As we prepare to dismiss, here are a few upcoming events to help you stay connected. There will be a luncheon in the cafe at noon on April the 23rd for everyone who is new to FBC. If you are new to FBCW and have never been to a New Year luncheon, please plan to join us next Sunday for lunch. Our next quarterly member meeting is scheduled for Sunday, April 30th. Join us after the AM worship for a time of celebrating God's blessing on First Baptist Church. Community group gatherings resume tonight at 6 p.m. If you have not yet connected with the community group, you can see Holden Mortar for more information or visit the community group page on the church website at fbcwixom.org forward slash community groups. 
The community groups meet most Sunday evenings at 6 p.m. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more information about FBC, prayer, or learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out this morning. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. You are now dismissed, and we hope you have an amazing day. Thank you for watching this video of one of our recent services. It's a pleasure for us to have you join us from a distance and join our church in a time of worship around the Word of God. The most important message that we can tell you is that God loves you. And he loves you so much that he gave Jesus Christ as payment for your sins. And the Bible says that all that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. We want you to know that message that true life is found in Jesus Christ. And eternal life, the opportunity to live with God forever in heaven in spite of our sinfulness. True life is only found in Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Would you be willing to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to pray something like this? Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know there's nothing I can do about my sinfulness. I don't want to pay for my own sin and I want to put my faith in Jesus. I want his death on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my own way and make Jesus Lord of my life. Would you be willing to pray something like that and put your faith in Jesus Christ? If so, we want to help you as you start your spiritual journey with Jesus Christ. God loves you. Our church loves you. We're glad that you could watch this message today. God bless.